Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Acts chapter 19 and 20. We'll start verse chapter 20, actually. Acts, the 20th chapter. I guess it's time for the youth to be dismissed. Amen? Would you say that? There goes a mighty army of believers. A mighty army of believers that believe the Word of God and are being taught the Word of God. Acts chapter 20, we're going to begin reading at verse 17. I'm not tying myself down to any particular series. Now, I know that we've began some series that we've not yet finished, but I'm just going to flow with God, what He wants me to do, what He wants me to teach. And right now, we're just going to hit one service or one series at a time, just a one-tape series, and just continue on the way He wants us to go. I believe that we'll be richly blessed if we listen and take heed to what the Spirit of God is saying. Acts, the 20th chapter, verse 17, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. Those are the pastors. And when they were come to him, he sent unto them, You know... From the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have shewed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Hallelujah. But none of these things move me. Boy, I like that. I'm not moved. Hallelujah. How about you? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. What an assertion. Underline that. Bless your heart. I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves. See, he's talking to the pastors, the elders, the overseers of the church here at Ephesus, and probably some of the others round about. And he says, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, you pastors, and all the flock, over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember. Watch and remember. That by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, he's going, see? 
And now, brethren, I commend you to God. And to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all. Circle that expression. Most of all. For the words, for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him onto the ship. Our precious Father, we approach thy word reverently with great respect. And we thank you for your word that is able to build us up and to give us our inheritance among those that are sanctified. I commend your people under the word of your grace. And Father, I thank you for your spirit who will enlighten us, who will illuminate the word to our minds and build it within our spirits that we may be doers of your word and not hearers only in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You stop to think about what's taking place over here. And actually, it's a sad picture, isn't it? That'd be like me saying, Well, the Lord called me here about five, almost five years ago, four and a half years ago, and said, Now, I want you to go and I want you to teach the people the whole counsel of God. And if I were to stand here before you and say, Well, now, my brothers and sisters, this is the last service I'll ever have. It's the last sermon I'll ever preach. Because the Lord has told me to go somewhere else and said, go over to another city or another country. It's time for me to move on, time for me to go. See, they were listening to Paul's preaching two years without interruption. And of course, the last year, their third year there, he was, you know, communicating with them back and forth by either writing or messengers. And these pastors, they were savage. You have to realize Paul had the revelation. To back up, you see, in the 19th chapter, if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you back up, you find out that Paul came to the upper coasts of Ephesus, and there he saw certain disciples, about 12 of them. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, We not ever heard whether there be any Holy Ghost, let alone have received the Holy Ghost. He says, Well, what baptism were you baptized unto? And they said, John's baptism. Well, he said, well, certainly he baptized in the, the baptism of repentance. But you see, Jesus is the one you're supposed to be baptized unto for the midst of your sins. And after they heard that, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he laid his hands on them. They were filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And he began to expound to them the Word of God. He taught to them the Word of God. And in Acts 19.20 it says, And so mightily grew the word and prevailed. And the word that he taught them began to prevail. I mean, there was great opposition. People came in. I mean, they wanted to destroy this work. I mean, as soon as you go somewhere preaching the word of God, I want you to know, you're going to, first thing you're going to stir up is the ruling religious spirits. Did you know that? The first time you start preaching God's word in any place, any city, any country, the first thing you're going to stir up is ruling religious spirits. The first thing that they did when Paul went to preach the, the gospel over there in the synagogues and round about the, cities, the city of Ephesus there, I mean, the first thing he stirred up was this here religious spirit. And it caused the people start, to start to rebel against his preaching and his teaching. And they says, we worship the goddess Diana. Diana. Oh, 
These men are preaching against Diana, the God of the Ephesians. And they're saying that there's no God that is made with a uh, man's hands. And they, oh, they got stirred up. And it wasn't the people. It was the devils, the demons, the evil spirits. The worst type, the ruling religious spirits. They got upset. They got mad. You come over to our territory. You came over to our country. Why don't you stay back home where you belong? What did you come over to Ephesus for? Everybody was doing fine. We was all worshiping, you know, Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians, and was all going to hell. Everything was fine. Think about it. That's what was happening. Witchcraft we was practicing. Sorcery. Everything was fine. Making a lot of money. Putting in our pockets, selling all these idols. Now you come over here preaching the Word of God, preaching about this Lord Jesus, preaching about, you know, Jesus Christ being raised from the dead. And what happened? You made no small stir. I mean, the whole place was in an uproar. How many of you know that we moved, when we moved up the hill, coming to Ohioville, the devils didn't like it? Them evil spirits. You say, you mean to tell me there are evil spirits? There's evil spirits everywhere. Doesn't matter where you go. Doesn't matter where you're at. Especially if you're a believer. If you're a believer, you've got a faith antenna sticking up back your head, sticks about that high up in the air. And everywhere you go, especially if you're a word person, especially if you believe in faith, Especially if you practice love. And more so if you talk with other tongues. Because you're dangerous to the devil. And as soon as you go somewhere to some new location, I want you to know, you begin to make a big stir in the kingdom of darkness. You begin to stir up all them ruling religious spirits. They don't like to see you come over. I mean, them, you know, people that turn middle and upside down, they've come up to Ohioville also. What are we going to do about it? We're going to try to do all we can, but if they keep on what they're doing, we ain't going to do anything about it. We've got to concede the territory. We've got to give up the land. My brothers and my sisters, I want you to know something right now. God's Word is not bound. God's Word grew mightily and prevailed. Hallelujah. I mean, it stirred up every, every religious spirit they could have pro- you know, probably name or imagine. I mean, they try to, you know, just get all these people together and say, Stop this preaching about the Bible. Stop this preaching about the Word of God. Stop this teaching and preaching about the resurrection of the dead. Stop preaching that word like that. We don't want to hear it. Our God is, you know, Diana, the goddess of the Ephesians. That's who we worship. But Paul, uh, although they tried to bind him up, they tried to put him in bondage, they tried to take him in question, the Word of God is not bound. Paul said the word of God is not bound. God himself said, my word shall go forth and it shall produce. It shall not come back to me void. It shall produce. It shall prevail. And so, when Paul saw that it was his time to go, he said, I want you pastors to listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. See, he was at Miletus over there in the last, the last year, and he sent for those pastors, those elders over there in, in Ephesus, and he says, come on over here. I want to give you some last-minute instruction before I go and depart. I want to let you know how to have success in your ministry. I want to let you know how to be successful in fulfilling God's will for your life and also for the life of those that are in your flock. That's what he said. I'm paraphrasing. And let's go back over here and we'll find out what he said. In that 20th chapter. And he says over here in uh, verse 26. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. What's he mean by saying something like that? What's he mean I'm pure from the blood of all men? Well... The prophet Ezekiel gives us an example is what he's talking about. 
Hold your place there. Let's go back to the third chapter of the book of Ezekiel. I wasn't going to do that, but I believe we need to see this. And let's take a look from verse 15. And we'll get an idea of what Paul was saying when he says, I'm free from the blood of all men. Then I came to them of the captivity at Tel Aviv that dwelt by the river of Chebar. And I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth, and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But the blood will I require at thine hand. Yet, if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. Again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness, and commit iniquity, and lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness, which he hath done, shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned also, thou hast delivered thy soul. Now go back there to the book of Acts, 20th chapter. Acts chapter 20. And you'll see here that Paul said, My hands are free from the blood of all men. I am pure. From the blood of all men. Why, Brother Paul? Verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, sometimes when you preach the gospel, and you preach the whole counsel of God, some people get upset. I remember church... Large number, 5,000 members. And this individual preached against sin in the body. Living a holy, godly life. And 2,000 members walked out the church. Walked out the church. We want to hear the message of victory. We want to hear about faith and healing. And we want to hear about prosperity and finances. But when he preached against sin and committing adultery and fornication and greed and strife and envy and division, this is why we had enough of this and better go somewhere else. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? The whole counsel of God. What is the whole counsel of God? Well, I believe we have in the epistles the whole counsel of God. I believe we have in the New Testament the whole counsel of God. You know why? The New Testament fulfills the old. And all that God ever wanted to establish in the earth and in the heart of the believer is found in its fulfillment in the New Testament. It's there. And we're going to see some of that this evening. And we're going to be exhorted and urged to continue to walk the walk of faith that we've been walking. But only in greater intensity. Look at the next verse. Verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. He's talking to the elders. He said, elders, take heed to yourselves. And to all the flock. Over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Now, let's stop there just for a minute. 
he recognized that the Holy Ghost had made these men overseers over this flock. It began with 12 men, 12 members, and they began to grow. As the word began to grow mightily and prevail over the people there at Ephesus, the church began to grow. They needed elders, pastors to watch over the flock. And here Paul recognizes the fact that these men that were called were anointed of God. The Holy Ghost made them overseers. And he said to them, take heed to yourselves and to the flock. And he says, feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Feed them. Feed the church. Nourish them. Tend to the flock like a shepherd would. And then, before he leaves, he says in verse 32, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Can you imagine? After establishing this church, almost really the father of the faith, bringing them into a place of relationship with Jesus Christ, taking them to a place where they begin to grow up spiritually and the word began to prevail. And now he's got to leave them and I'm sure his heart is very heavy. He doesn't want to. And the hearts of the elders are very heavy because they don't want him to go. And he says, I give you one word of advice. Take heed to this flock. Take heed to yourself. Feed them the word. And I commend you to God and to the word of his grace that is able to build you up and to give you this inheritance among them that are sanctified. See, he said in verse 29, back up there just for a minute. I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing your flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He wept. He wept over these people. He wept over this flock. He wept and mourned. He knew the job and the task was great. He knew the power of deception. He knew there'd come a day when people would just want teachers with itchy ears. See, teaching them that which they wanted to hear. So he says, I commend you to the Word. To the Word. Just to the Word that I have preached and spoken to you. How many of you know there's integrity in God's Word? How many of you know that God watches over His Word to perform it? How many of you know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God? How many of you know that God so honored His Word by exalting it high above His name? He says, I have taken my Word and magnified it above all my name. You see, the Heavenly Father holds His Word in high esteem. And this is the Word that Paul preached that prevailed in such a way that even ungodly people that serve this false god, this false image, Diana, they were converted. And as he preached the word, the Lord confirmed his word with signs following. See, the word of God's not bound. And that's why the word should hold first place. If this word could help a pastor and his flock to be protected from the wolves that are endeavoring to destroy the work of God, if this word can give us birth into the family of God, if this word can nourish us so that as newborn babes we can desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby, if this word that God holds in high esteem that he sent to us can heal us, if this word can uphold everything, for he upholds all things by the word of his power, then this word can meet our every need.
This word can set the captives free. This word can change the circumstances of our life. This word can prevail over our thinking faculties in such a way that as Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We all abide in him, but does his word abide in us? The word. God honors his word. When Jesus left, he said farewell to his disciples. He said, you shall do these things in my name. Cast out devils, speak with new tongues, take up serpents, and drink anything will not hurt you. Lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. And they went forth everywhere and preached the word. The Lord working with them and confirming his word with signs following. God highly esteems his word. And he has spoken unto my heart and said, I want you to start. I want you to start over. I want you to build me a spiritual house, a mighty fortress out of my word. If you will, please find Matthew's gospel, chapter 7. And as you're finding that scripture, I want you to listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. We need to study the epistles because they build Christ into us. But I want to share some things with you that the Holy Ghost has shared with me that I know that it'll just turn you loose. How about just some things upon my heart as a shepherd, under-shepherd to the flock to protect, you see, the flock. How many of you know that Paul wrote a letter to Timothy and in that letter he said to him, matter of fact, let's go to that letter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, chapter 4. He gave him a charge. See, he held back nothing. He gave everything. Everywhere he went, we have nuggets of truth that he told each and every respective assembly. He told the church at Thessalonica one thing. He relates something else to the church at Philippi. Then the Galatian churches, he speaks and says these things. At the Corinthian church, he says a few other things. We put all these things together, and I'll tell you what, if you'll take everything from every letter that he wrote in the epistles to every church that he wrote all these letters to and put them together and to get those things working inside of any, any assembly, any assembly, I don't care where it's at in the world, if we'll take the things that he told, all the nuggets of truth from each and every epistle, put them together in one assembly, and everybody be obedient to those things, and you know what you got yourself? The house of God. You got yourself a temple of God. Look at what he says here. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why, Brother Paul? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. I want you to notice that in preaching the word, he says you need to rebuke, you need to exhort. How many of you know that rebuking goes along with exhorting? You know, rebuking is just correcting. As a matter of fact, I think the Amplified Bible says correct them for their wrong living or their wrong doing. Correction is part. How many of you have children? How many of you love your children with all your heart? Have you ever corrected them? Have you ever not corrected them? Sure you've corrected them. Why have you corrected them? Why have you corrected them? Because you love them. 
You love them so much. I believe, my brothers and my sisters, that we're living in a day and age right now when there's a lot of teachers that have itching ears. There are those that are going around saying that God is changing the order of things. He's no longer having any need of elders and pastors. The church is just going to function and operate, you know, just like it did back there in the book of Acts, just out of the believer's home, and they're just going to meet. And Oh, yeah, they're going around saying it right now. And, you know, we don't have to be concerned about all that stuff because God's changing the order of things. And, you know, I just read a, an article. It said, paying tithes is a sin. Paying tithes is a sin. Yeah. Sinful to pay tithes to any church or to any individual or anything like that. It's just sinful to pay tithes. And they can prove it by Scripture. As a matter of fact, they went on to say that they've got revelation that no one else has. Well, they're too far out for me. Who established the church? Who set it in order? Who calls and anoints? God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ set up His church to operate and to function the way He called it, the way He wants it. And He says, I've ordained it to be this way until the saints are perfected, until they all come to the full measure of the stature of Christ. And that hasn't happened yet. But I've ordered it to be that way and I've ordained it to be that way. Why are we meeting here tonight? Why have we come out of a sense of duty or obligation? Or have we come because we want to learn? Because we want to be taught and fed and nurtured? Why does God call a man and put him in the office of a pastor anyway? Why does he do that? What's the purpose for it? I mean, is this, you know, we come here tonight just, just to waste time, just to have some formality, just to have some tradition. Or is there a purpose for this? Is there a reason for this? How many of you know that you're being here tonight? This is something that will bless you like it's blessed me. How many of you know that your being here tonight has something to do with the effectiveness of the blood of Jesus Christ in your life? I mean, you really know that. Your being here in this service tonight, or you're finding yourself a church who has a, a pastor who was set in a, that office as an overseer by the Holy Ghost, to teach the Word of God, to feed the flock, to watch over them. Oh, there may be some that you say, well, I like the way this guy does this, or the, this, the way this one teaches that or that. But I want you to know, my brothers and my sisters, there's something to it. There's something about someone called of God, given a pastor's heart for the purpose of watching the flock, overseeing the flock, taking the oversight thereof with tears and with studying the Word of God in such a way that he holds not, not one thing back from the counsel of God, but preaches the whole full counsel of God so that the entire body can receive protection, covering, and effectiveness concerning the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to show that to you in God's Word. It's an eye-opener to me. I knew somewhat about it, but this shows me in great depth that what we're doing here tonight is of utmost importance. Look at Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Now, remember, he said, reprove, rebuke, exhort, encourage, urge, give sound doctrine, sound doctrine. So, for what purpose, Brother Paul? So that the flock, so that the flock will be protected from those deceiving wolves that are ever endeavoring to destroy the work of God in their lives. Tenth chapter of the book of Hebrews, verse 23. The teacher here, the writer of the book of Hebrews, is getting into great depth and detail. Now listen, if you're not a member here, or you just fellowship, when I say member, I mean just come on a regular basis. This will help you. 
this will, if you're sincere with God, if you are really serious and sincere with God, this will bless your heart. It'll help you. In your walk of faith, it'll help you in your relationship with your Father. It'll help you to have the blood of Jesus more effective in your everyday life. If you'll take heed. Remember he said, take heed to yourselves and to the flock. Now look at what it says in verse 23. Anybody here have an Amplified Bible? Can I see that Amplified Bible while I'm reading? I'm going to read this first from the King James. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, let's stop there just for a minute. I'm speaking from this office of a pastor sent by God as an overseer for this particular flock. And if I were to give sound doctrine and godly counsel, and hold, don't hold back any of the counsel of God. Not only do I have to preach a, a message of victory, but also one of faithfulness. And I want you to see, I've read these scriptures over and over again, but I, as sometimes we do, we tend to take them out of their setting or out of their context and not to really clearly see what he's actually saying here. It sounds like those three verses are, don't really belong there. In the previous verses, he's talking about entering into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. He says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way, enter in. What she hath consecrated for us through the fail, that is to say, is blessed, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water, enter in. But then he goes and changes that, and he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Now, notice he's talking about the effectiveness of the blood to get you into the holiest place with God. And then he says, now hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. And I'm going to read it from the Amplified Bible. He says, so let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Now, isn't that what we're doing here tonight? Are we not here to encourage to urge and to warn. What does he mean more? Why warn one another? Why did Paul tell Timothy, preach the word, exhort, yes, but reprove and rebuke? Why is he saying all these things? What authority does a pastor have? What authority does a shepherd have over the flock? And is that authority respected today? Now, I'm not speaking only for us here. I'm talking about the ministry as established and set up by God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, has the pastor its ministry functioned properly as God ordained it? And is the pastor's ministry held in its proper esteem? If it is, then the rebuke and the warning that comes from the pulpit will be heeded. If there is no respect, you see, for the officer, for the calling, then that person's word isn't anything different than anybody else's. And today we have so many teachers and preachers of God's word that it's almost like, well, I'm after this one and I'm after that one and I go by this one. But I want you to know something. I want you to know that God has set this thing up and ordained it in such a way. And no, nobody's perfect that he calls. But he set it up in such a way that there is a covering, a glorious covering that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ through the under-shepherd and just flows over the entire body in such a way that if properly handled, that protection 
will be effective in every individual's life from the pastors all the way down to every person in the flock if it's done properly. Now, I neglected to read this verse for a simple reason. Look at verse 26. For if we sin willfully, stop right there. What's he talking about? In one breath, he says, you've taken the blood of Jesus, held it in high esteem, and used it to enter into the holiest place with God. And then he exhorts those who are wavering in their faith. And he says, hold fast to your confession of faith. Hold fast. See, he is exhorting. He's rebuking. He's exhorting. He's warning. He's urging. Encouraging. And he says to them, provoke one another to good works and to love. And don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together publicly as believers. Don't forsake that. Why? Why? For if we sin willfully. For if we sin, how? Why is that verse 26 after verse 25? What's he talking about? What does willful sin got to do with our exhorting one another in public worship? What has all this got to do with the blood of Jesus entering into the holiest place? What's all this got? I don't see the connections. Let's tie these loose ends together. What's he talking about? Remember when I talked about the blood of Jesus? I said how we should hold that blood in high esteem and reverence that blood. Let's read on and put these things together. Look at what he said. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries, he that despised Moses' law, died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing? What's he talking about here? What's, what's this apostle talking about? This writer of the book of Hebrews, I believe is the apostle Paul, with all my heart. And I'll say Paul because of that. What's he talking about? In one breath he says the blood takes you into the holiest place with God. In the next breath he says, I am exhorting those of you who are forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. And you're not exhorting one another and you're not provoking one another to love. Maybe you're criticizing the, the body of Christ and, and, and finding fault with the body of Christ. And maybe you're finding fault and you can't fellowship with any. You know, some people in, people in the body of Christ have a hard time fellowshipping with anybody. I mean, with anybody. They can't go to that church because they don't like the way they do this. And they can't go to this church because they don't like the way they do that. And they can't go to that church because they don't like the way they do this. And, and you know, no matter where they go, they said, I can be a better Christian at home. Now, I'm sharing this with you again from my heart for the purpose of helping us to see the importance of God's establishment of His church. What does all this have to do with willful sinning? Do you mean to tell me that if I am forsaking or neglecting, as in it amplified translation it says, and I'll read it to you again, not forsaking, or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some, but admonishing, warning. Wait a minute, what's the warning for? Warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. All the more faithfully. For if we sin willfully, what sin is in connection with our forsaking the assembling of ourselves together? What sin are we involved in if we don't become uh, settle down in a fellowship of believers? What sin are we committing? And notice it's willfully. And notice it's against the blood of Jesus. Notice this. The blood will either get you into the holiest or you can consider that blood to be an unholy thing. 
Did you get those two words? The blood will get you into the holiest. Or, if you sin against that blood, it's an unholy thing you're accounting that blood to be. Now, of course, I know I'm not speaking to anybody here. Because we all fellowship together, don't we? You're here. But you see, I have the responsibility of sharing and teaching. I believe that these tapes will be passed around. People will hear them that need to hear it. But this is an eye-opener to me. What am I sinning against? 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. This will bless you. I didn't know this as much as I know it now. But you know, when I was first saved, you couldn't keep me out of church. You couldn't keep me out of church. You couldn't keep me away from fellowshipping with the believers if you tried to tie a rope around my neck and my legs and keep me away. I'll tell you something. I didn't know it would come from the Holy Ghost. My wife and I, I used to work the night shift. I worked three shifts, you know, and working down the mill. And our services were long. I mean, we went like late at night, you know. I remember leaving like 20 minutes to 10. I had to relieve my buddy 10 after 10. At 20 minutes to 10, I was all dressed up in church. I'd hop in the car, and I mean to tell you, I'd run down that mill as fast as I could run down there, and I'd be, I'd be there in Mill Crane after 10 to, to relieve my buddy. And I always did that. If I could be there, I was there. And I couldn't understand. I said, I don't know why it's like that. I said, honey, I don't know. There's just something inside me. Says, I, I have to be there. I have to be a part of a group. I have to be part of the body of Christ, and I have to be there all the time. Look at this scripture, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. For if we sin willfully... See, some of you believers that have always come to church, you you always... Either a sense of something urging from within your spirit. Say, I belong there. I belong there. No matter what, you say, I belong in church. I want you to know something. You want to know why you got your prayers answered? You want to know why God is working mighty in your life? You are faithful to the blood of Jesus. Not the Christian assembly. You say, but I can't find a fellowship that I could be comfortable at. I mean, I went over to this fellowship, you know, and I didn't like the way they prayed. Or I didn't like the way they did this or the way they did that. So I can't find any fellowship. Well, that's why God sets up fellowships. That's why God called. If you're sincere with God, then you'll be on your knees and praying before God until God raises up a work. And if you don't watch out, he'll call you and make you be the pastor. <laughs> then you know what you'll have happen to you as the pastor? Brother Pastor, I don't like the way you do this. And the Holy Ghost will say, Whatsoever thou sowest, thou reapest. And remember when you were young, you used to say the same thing? <laughs> but listen to me. Oh, I wish I could... Speak this over a loudspeaker to the entire body of Christ. You're not being faithful to Christian assembly. Hallelujah. You're not being faithful to go in the church. You're being faithful to the blood of the Lord Jesus wherewith you have been sanctified. And you say, I can fellowship, hallelujah, with the body of Christ. And all the more I see the day approaching, I will fellowship with my brothers and my sisters. There's something to this fellowship. There's something to this thing that God set up and said, you be the pastor. If I'd look over this whole body and say, I'd, I'd be the last one to vote in this pastor. I'd be the last one to say, I, I volunteer to be the pastor. I said, brother, you do it. Or somebody else. But God looked down, you know, in his divine program and plan and sovereignty and said, I want you to be the pastor of that church. I said, okay. I'll give you all I got and even everything I ain't got. I'll just give it all to you. You see what I'm talking about? What's so important about this thing? Why should we exhort one another to assemble together? You're honoring the blood. You're honoring the blood. Maybe you didn't like what goes on, but honor the blood. You didn't come, see, to be a critic. You came to honor who? The blood of Jesus. Look that over carefully. In that Hebrews, you say, for if we sin willfully. For if we sin willfully. That's willful sinning. 
Sure it is. Do you see that? Some say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm of the old corporate body, the whole body of Christ, and I just go everywhere. Isn't that amazing? When God put his body together, he made a big mistake. You're an arm, and you belong to a certain fellowship, and you're the arm of that fellowship. You're a dis- disembodied member. And then you say, well, I don't understand my... God works so mightily in brother so-and-so's life, but he don't work so mightily in my life. I wish, boy, I wish I had all those miracles he's talking about, all these miracles. You ever find out their life? You know what they're doing in their life? They're faithful to the blood of Jesus. They're faithful to the local body. They honor his blood. They exhort one another to love and to good works. Do you see that? If you read that book of Hebrews carefully, you'll find out that's what he's talking about. Don't sin against the blood of Jesus that was shed for fellowship. That's why everyone that will come and be faithful to his blood. Now I want to show you the covering. Do I have a minute? I don't have a minute, but I'll, I'll share it with you anyhow. First Peter. Well, God's given me this message to speak. He's given me this message to you know, proclaim. Paul says, I'm held, I didn't hold back anything. You say, you're promoting your church. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. You know why? Listen to me very carefully. If you can go somewhere where you're more comfortable and you're more at ease and you can go somewhere where you believe you're growing up spiritually in a quicker way, in a better way, in a more productive way, my heart as a pastor says you belong there. But be faithful there. Go to every service, every function. Be a supporter. Honor the blood of Jesus. And God will honor you. He, he didn't call us to go everywhere. That's how nothing gets done. But when everybody's pulling together, everything gets done. First Peter chapter 5. Look at this beautiful, beautiful. Remember he told, Timoth- he told Timothy? He said, Timothy, don't hold back anything. You exhort, you warn, you reprove, you urge, you do all this. Preached the whole council. And Paul left those pastors with the same message. I've given you all the word. I held back nothing. Now I commend you to the word of his grace. It's able to build you up. A spiritual household. A foundation. Sure. Unmovable. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.